building of the house of God, behold, they are written in the treatise of the book of the kings. Then Amaziah his son became king in his place. Interesting. What's done to punish Joash? The army of the Arameans is sent against him and they destroy all the officials of the people. Is that interesting? The, who, what were these officials doing? Badly influencing Joash, so they sure deserve this. And um, were the Arameans victorious because there were so many of them in comparison with the people of Judah? Isn't that interesting in verse 24? They came with a small number of men. They are a smaller army, but God gives them the victory because he wants to punish Joash and the people of Judah. It really doesn't make any difference how big your army is. I think we can see that by this time in Chronicles, can't we? And it doesn't make any difference whether you're in Judah or another country. You may give the victory to Judah when they're smaller or to the other country when they're smaller, depending on who God uh, sees fit to, to punish or to bless. And then, what happens to Joash himself? He's murdered. And they don't bury him in the tombs of the kings. So they do Jehoiada, and they don't Joash, which is interesting. Who are the ones who conspired against him? Yes, who are non-Israelites, as a matter of fact. That's interesting. And uh, it's here now, then, Joash who conspired against Zacharias and killed him, Zechariah and killed him, uh, is now killed by conspiracy. So he reaps what he sows. Comments and questions on chapter 24. I don't think so. The son of and the son of. Yeah, they're the son of women. Why doesn't it? Why not? We've been doing that quite a bit, haven't we? Well, we haven't been given too many slaves' names. Yeah, but I mean, look at like 24.1. They give Joash's mother's name. I don't know. Maybe so. Other comments and questions? All right. Chapter 25, verses 1 to 4. Okay, so who becomes king? Amaziah. 
Joash's son, and how was he? Yeah. Yeah, he did right, but not with a whole heart. He was sort of good and sort of bad. And what does he do with those who has killed who have killed Joash's father? Kills them but not their children respecting the law. Uh, actually, uh, we will see Amaziah obeys the law selectively. Some of them he obeys and some of them he doesn't. Yeah, worked out very conveniently. Now, can you keep track of who's the kings now? Are we, have we lost all that? We start out with broke up the kingdom. Rehoboam, and then his preacher son, Elijah, and then his reforming son, Asa, and then the uh, badly married son, Jehoram, and then the badly mothered son, Ahaziah, and then we don't have a king for a few years. What do we have? Athaliah. And then we have the young son, Joash, and now his son, Amaziah. Can you keep that all in your head? This is Amaziah. This is not Azariah. We'll come to Azariah later. But let's not confuse us with the facts. Uh, Azariah was several things, but Azariah was another name for Amaziah's son who becomes the next king. That's right. All right. Um, how are we? Do we need to stand up in our place or are we okay? Yeah, we like them ayahs. You know why, don't you? Jehovah, it's a combination with Jehovah. We do. Well, no, we can't. Can't just go in and change everybody's name. I mean, what about uh, John, James, Joshua, Jacob, etc.? All right. Uh, how about 5 to 13? This is an interesting story. <clears throat> Amaziah gathered Judah and made them stand according to the house of their fathers. For commanders of the thousands and for commanders of the hundreds were all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from a son of 20 years and above. And found them to be 300,000 chosen ones going forth to battle, holding spear and shield. And he hired 100,000 mighty men of war out of Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him, saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for, for the Lord is not with Israel, with all the sons of Ephraim. But if you will go, do it. Be strong for the battle, for God will cause you to stumble before the enemy, for God has power to help and also to cause to stumble. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall I do for the hundred talents that I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God said, The Lord has more than this to give you. And Amaziah separated them, the army that had come to him from Ephraim, 
to go to their own place, and, the, and their anger burned fiercely against Judah. They returned to their place in the heat of anger. And Amaziah made himself strong and led his people and went to the valley of salt and killed ten thousand of the sons of Seir. And the sons of Judah captured ten thousand alive and they brought them to the top of the rock and threw them from the top of the rock and all of them were broken. And the sons of the army that Amaziah had sent back from going with them to battle, these raided against the cities of Judah from Samaria even to Beth Horon and killed three thousand of them and seized much prey. Okay. Amaziah's army includes how many men? That more or less than, say, Asa and Jehoshaphat. Less. So he's not got that big an army. And he decides to, decides to go out and do what in verse 6? Hire some mercenary soldiers from Israel. And who comes to talk to him about that? What was his name? We don't know. The fact that he's unnamed may highlight even more the message he has. And what's his message for Amaziah? Yeah. You need to send the Israelite hired soldiers home. The Lord's not with Israel. And he will bring you down if you take those extra Israelite contracted soldiers into the battle with you. So he's saying, you hired them, send them back without working them. Because if, I, if you let those Israelite soldiers go in with you to the battle, then I'll bring you down. Now, I love Amaziah's answer. What is he saying in verse 9? Man, I've already paid them a lot of money. What am I going to do as a hundred talents of silver he'd put into them? He's really reluctant to lose that investment. What about all that money? And don't you love the answer of the man of God? What does he say? That is so important. How many times do we, are we not willing to give up sin because we're so invested in it? In one sense or another. I've already time in it, worked so hard for it, but it got so much money in it. If it's wrong, get rid of it. I don't care what the investment is. The Lord has more than that to give us. I want to tell you, there's a lot of times this is a practical principle. But it came up uh, uh, when I was on my trip. Um, one of the boys in Jekiet, who's a really good guy, he just had a birthday yesterday. I believe he turned 15. He's, he's, his family were not Christians. He was brought to the Lord by a friend. And I really like Giovanni. But there was an issue that came up with him that was not handled well by the brethren, but it involved him listening to a Brazilian musical group. He had several CDs of a group that probably shouldn't have listened to. Now, he didn't always know that. Apparently, they, they sang a style of music that you had no idea what they were singing. <laughs> and... Uh, and the titles to their songs were mostly in English, so Giovanni didn't even know what the songs said, for the most part. But there was an issue with some of the brethren about the fact that he listened to this music. And uh, when I actually saw the CDs and saw the English titles, whoa, they were really bad. And we talked some, and he said, you know, I think I need to just quit listening to this, even from the standpoint that it's creating a problem with some of the other brethren. 
And uh, I agreed with him. But he said, you know, I spent a lot of money for these CDs. And we went right back here and studied the story. And uh, before I left Jekyll, he gave me all of his CDs and I disposed of them. Um, I think this is an excellent story for that. This is a great lesson. I don't care how much we've got invested in evil. The Lord has more than that to give us. So what did Amaziah do? Exactly. And how did these uh, mercenary soldiers who just received a severance package feel? They were angry. Why? Maybe because they didn't get to fight. After all, professional soldiers probably like it. Why else would they have been mad? Could be. I think that's it. The soldiers get to divide up the spoil, so they're, they're hoping to uh, make some money in tips along with their salary. <laughs> and they don't get to go to the battle and divide the spoil. So they're angry. All right, so Amaziah takes his people, goes down, and conquers the Edomites, kills 10,000 men, captures 10,000 alive, and throws them over the cliff and dashes them into pieces. And so the Lord does give the victory to Amaziah because he did trust in the Lord and he sent those Israelite soldiers back home. But what did the Israelite soldiers do? Yeah. I suspect while Amaziah and the armies down there fighting the Edomites, they decide to raid the cities of Judah and take spoil. It's kind of like, uh, you know, they're going to... Uh, you know, sort of compensate themselves for the loss of the spoil they could have gotten from the Edomites. And uh, so it's kind of a punishment that Amaziah ever hired them in the first place. Comments or questions through this? Amaziah is kind of back and forth on this issue of trusting in God. Yeah, good point. Other thoughts? You're exactly right. It, what is the factor in doing better? God. You know, I mean, just think. Um, if you're going out to fight, uh, are you better, you know, five men with machine guns or 25 men with sticks. You know, if you've got the Lord, it doesn't make a difference how many men you've got. I mean, that, that's a weapon that neutralizes all others. Other thoughts? makes me wonder, do you see how they act, whether or not they really trusted in God, or whether or not they wanted to accomplish their own agenda, knowing that God is forcing as he sees that they do what he says. Now, the trust factor is really shaky in Amaziah. It gets shakier yet in a moment. Other thoughts? All right, I want to keep us alert. We're going to eat in about 50 minutes. Why don't we take a short break, about a five-minute break, and then we'll come back and study for 45 minutes.
Israelite soldiers are, uh, have invaded uh, and, and taken spoil and so forth. So, uh, chapter 25, verses 14 to 24. So it came about after Amaziah, after Amaziah came from slaughtering the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the sons of Seir, set them up as his gods, bowed down before them, and burned incense to them. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah, and he sent a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people who have, who have not delivered their own people from your hands? And it came about, as he was talking with them, that the king said to him, Have we appointed you a royal counselor? Stop! Why should you be struck down? Then the, prophet, then the prophet stopped and said, I know that God has planned to destroy you, because you have done this, and have not listened to my counsel. Then Amaziah, king of Judah, took counsel and sent Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face each other. And Joash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thorn bush, which is in, the, which is in Lebanon, sent to, sent to the cedar, which is in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son in marriage. But there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon, and trampled the thorn bush. And you, you said, Behold, you have defeated Edom, and your heart has become proud and boastful. Now stay at home, for why should you provoke trouble that you, even you, should fall and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen, for it was from God, that he might deliver them into his hand, into the hand of Joash, because they had sought the gods of Edom. So Joash King of Israel went up, and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced each other at Beth Shemesh, which belonged to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and they fled each to his tent. Then Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of, jo- the, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, and tore down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver and all the utensils which were found in the house of God, with Obed-Edom, and the treasures of the, of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. Okay, so Amaziah came back from uh, the Edomite uh, conquest with something uh, besides the spoil in his hand. What did he do? Yes. He brought the Edomite gods back and did what with them? bowed down before him and burn incense to him. Is there something wrong with this picture? Yeah, actually he just allowed God to fight for him. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Why do you worship the gods that were defeated? He just beat the Edomites and he takes their gods and bows down before them. Figure that one out. As someone has said, that's so strange, nobody could have possibly invented that story. You know? um, I don't know if he thought the Edomite gods had helped him win. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he wasn't thinking. Uh, but it wasn't very smart. And God sends him a prophet who tells him what? Yeah. Why are you seeking the gods of the, peoples, of the people who have not delivered their own people from your hand? And so... What is Amaziah's attitude toward this prophet? Yeah. Shut up or you're going to be struck down. And uh, the prophet says, well, I know God's going to destroy you because you've not listened to my advice. Now, that's a pattern here. 
We've got three kings in a row who turn bad. Joash, Amaziah, and Isaiah. And look at 24.19. What did Joash not do? Didn't listen to the prophets. And here, what does Amaziah not do? He doesn't listen. And in 26, verses 18 and 19, Uzziah won't listen to the priests who rebuke him for going into the temple to burn incense. So three kings in a row go from good to bad because they won't listen to God's warnings through prophets and priests. Now, in connection with this bowing down before Edomite gods, you might notice 1 Chronicles 14, 12, 14, 12 where David gave order for the abandoned Philistine gods to be burned with fire. That was the right thing to do with those gods. They should have been burned with fire. Amaziah brings them back, bows down before him, and offers incense to him. That was really not a wise thing. And then what does Amaziah try to do? With? Who's the king of Israel? Oh, you wouldn't believe it, would you? <laughs> got more confusion here, but I'm not going to go into all the details of that at the moment. Suffice it to say that um, the guy Amaziah is going to war with is also named Joash, just like Amaziah's own father was. They're not related now, but uh, they both have the same name, so that's really handy. Um, but what does Joash tell Amaziah? More or less. Yeah, that's the idea. He tells this weird story in verse 18. The thorn bush sent to the cedar saying, Give your daughter to my son in marriage. <laughs> Now, is there anything odd about the thorn bush trying to marry off his daughter to the cedar's son? Mm-hmm. What's strange about that? Yeah, that would be like uh, you know some you know pauper uh, sending a letter to President Bush saying you know give me one of my your daughters and I'll marry my son to him to her you know just like what you know. Um, and what happens to the thorn bush in this case by the parable? By a wild beast. And he says, now here's what's happening, verse 19. You have defeated Edom, and your heart became proud and boasting. You know, now you think you're all big and tough, and you think you're tough enough to try to tangle with me. Go home where you belong, and don't get yourself hurt. That's more or less what Joash is saying. And Amaziah, verse 20. Wouldn't listen again. And so they go fight each other. And what happens? Yeah. Joash beats Amaziah and captures Amaziah. And uh, apparently takes him back as a prisoner for a time. Takes a bunch of the gold and silver utensils in the house of God and, and in the palace and so forth and hostages. And uh, so the Lord has used Amaziah's own pride to bring about his downfall. Comments and questions. 
I think the thorn bush is uh, Amaziah, the cedar is Joash, and the wild beast is just part of the tail. I mean, it's just the fact that he's going to get destroyed. I don't know that it applies to anything in particular. In a way, I guess we can see ourselves doing that a lot with, um, I guess, a lot of the, the sins that we struggle with ourselves, seeing how, um, you know, we know that following the Lord is, produces happiness and produces um, something much better than if we were to follow um, the follow Satan in the, in the things of this world, and uh, a lot of times, they're, and they're not even, they're oftentimes, uh, well, every time by God are defeated, and yet we still seem to, um, in a sense, to worship them and to follow them ourselves, and so while that's stupid, a lot of times we're stupid too. Good application. I agree. Other thoughts? God reverses things. Absolutely. Good point. It really is ridiculous. This is an outrageous story. <laughs> it's just like, what in the world is he thinking? But pride makes people do foolish things. There is no doubt about it. It'll blind you. You see it over and over and over again. Yeah, we use God too. I mean, think about the mercy and the, the forgiveness He's willing. And He's willing to forgive us, but we use that to go ahead and sin and we'll forgive you. Or we only worship and turn to him when we are in a jam, and once he gets us out, we forget him. Isn't that using him too?
Other comments and questions? Uh-huh. I see this story as, as an example of a, a good king, but, you know, he worshiped, you know, uh, an idol, and you would think that's just a lesser king. And when you look at King David, he has the whole man that we study, and why, you know, God is not happy with Amaziah because he did not worship God as a loyal, like a toy. And he didn't repent. <coughs> David, that's the thing that we need to look and see why. <laughs> and if you look at it from God's standpoint, is there a sin worse than worshiping idols? It's kind of like looking at it from the husband's standpoint. Is there a worse offense than your wife running around on you? <coughs> there are some bad things she might do, but the worst thing she could do is betray. And so when we worship uh, idols, when we give ourselves to other things, really that's about the most damaging thing we could do to the relationship with God. Other comments? 25 to 28? significant thing Amaziah did after this was to live another 15 years and uh, he died. Uh, how did he die? Yes. Uh, it's interesting. He had executed those who assassinated his father and now he's executed by assassins. And uh, so, that's the end of Amaziah. Anything you want to say about chapter 25? All right, chapter 26. We have a guy whose name depends on who you, uh, what, where you're studying. Uzziah or Azariah. It's going to be easier for us if we say Uzziah, both because that's what we've got here and because we really don't want, you know, Amaziah, Azariah, and all that together. So we're going to call him Uzziah. And uh, would somebody read the first five verses? Okay, perhaps the two names, by the way, could be that one of them is his name and one of them is a throne name. That does happen pretty often. But at any rate, 
Isaiah is 16, and he reigns for 52 years. So he's got a very long reign, prosperous and powerful. Together with Jeroboam II up in Israel, they almost restore the combined kingdom of Israel and Judah to the to the uh, size that it had during David and Solomon's time. There's some political reasons for that, as well as uh, reasons with the Lord. Um, and uh, and things, things go well uh, for him. Um, how is he? What kind of a king is he? Good like, like his father Amaziah, which is not exactly a ringing endorsement, <laughs> judging from Amaziah, but he was... Pretty good. Good at first, especially, just as his father Amaziah had been. When they want to say a king is really good, they say he's good like David. Yeah, he's not good like David. He's good like Amaziah. Um, but he seeks God in the days of Zechariah, who's a prophet. And uh, while he's under his influence and uh, he's being prospered um, and, and things are going well. So, uh, comments and questions on the first five verses here. The what, Zechariah? No, because that's post-exilic, and this is pre-exilic. This is probably a Zechariah we don't know anything about, since. How many more there? There's a bunch. I have no idea how many Zechariahs there. Yeah. Zachariah, the son, father of John the Baptist. So who knows? It seems weird to us, but good grief. I mean, most of you have names that are common to a lot of people. You know, we got got two Kyles in here, and who knows, whatever. There's a ton of Caleb's in this generation, and so forth and so on. So. All right, anything else through verse 5? Right, here are some of the accomplishments of Isaiah 6 to 15. Now he went out and warred against the Philistines, and broke down the wall of Gad, and the wall of Jebna, and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the area of Ashdod among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines, and against the Arabians who lived in Durbite Vale, and all the men commit And the Ammonites also gave tribute to Isaiah. And his fame extended to the border of Egypt, where he became very strong. Moreover, Isaiah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner of Buttress, and, and fortified them. And while he built towers in the wilderness, and hewed many assistants, for, for he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country, in, in the hill country, and fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Isaiah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat by division according to the number of their muskets, prepared by Jael, described in Measia, the official, under the direction of Hanani, one of the king's officers. The total number of heads of the household, the valiant warriors, was 2,600, and under the direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with, with great power to help the king against the enemy. Moreover, Isaiah prepared for the army shield, spear, helmet, body armor, bows, and slingshots. And in Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows 
and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was stoned. Okay, so in 6 through 8, we see what? Yes. The Philistines and the Munites and the Arabians and the Ammonites. So he's conquering in what directions, basically? South and southwest and southeast, more or less, that may be east. What direction is he notably not conquering in? North, because Jeroboam II is the very powerful king in the north in Israel, and so he does not conquer in that direction. But he is, he does extend his influence. Notice also in verse 6, what does he do in the Philistine areas along with conquering their cities? And he builds cities. Now that's interesting because that reminds me a lot of some modern day events. I don't know who knows current events well enough to know about this. And I don't know much, so maybe somebody can tell me more. But, you know, Israel, like in the 67 war and I think in the 73 war, were able to annex a good bit of territory um, on like the West Bank of the Jordan and down the Gaza Strip and maybe in some other areas. And what did they then do in those territories? Somebody know much? Built yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they put <laughs> they put Israeli settlements in these areas. And they did it from the standpoint of trying to then stake a stronger claim that these are their areas. There's a term for that, I think, and I don't remember what it is. Nobody knows much about that historically or Yeah, but but about what do they call those settlements? Okay. It's a good thing. I, I support you guys in not paying too much attention to current events. There's probably more important things in life. But, uh, but that is, that's, that's, that's what's being done by Israel even today. And uh, so I think it makes sense. Isaiah conquers and he builds his own cities. He populates this area with his own people so that he can, you know, lay claim to it better. Then in 9 and 10, what kind of things does Isaiah do? I build stuff and yeah, and and because he's a he's a great agricultural king, he loves the soil, and so he does a lot uh, for construction and agriculture. And then in eleven to fifteen, what are we seeing? Innovation. Well, it is. In what? Yeah. We see his army. The people in his army in 11 and 12. Um, perhaps some technological advances in verse 15 and also in verse 14, maybe a change in their practice to where the soldiers don't have to provide their own weapons. He provides them for them. And so he's really powerful. You know, you've got his, his uh, conquests, you've got his construction and agricultural activities, you've got his army. Look at the end of verse 15. He was marvelously, marvelously helped until 
God blessed him to the point of making him strong, which will be his downfall. How many times does God bless people, they become strong, and they become proud and fall? All right, comments and questions through 15.